And the title of my message is God's Plan for Israel. And there's this tendency now to say, oh, man, I needed some peace today. I was hoping Aaron would preach about peace or I needed some financial breakthrough. I hope he was talking about prosperity or whatever the case is. And so we could right away say, oh, I'm going to check out. But I I really believe this can be a life-altering teaching for you. And it's really important that we have the right perspective on God's plan for Israel and the Jewish people. Early on in my ministry, I was was traveling with, with someone who had some national renown. Some of you may know who he is. Now you're curious, who is this, who is this? I'll never tell you, never, ever, ever. Because I I had a chance to ask this guy a question. And I said, hey, listen, what's your opinion about Israel? And he said, well, I want to be a pastor who doesn't have an opinion on Israel. And he, he said that because it can be a little bit unsettling or controversial or, or, or some people more, more appropriately can, can take their love for the Jewish people and their love for Israel too far. And then because of that, we react inappropriately and we say, hey, I don't want anything to do with this subject. Sometimes I think that for some of us, probably for half of us in this room, that one of the reasons we're not interested in the subject of Israel is because we don't like the people who propagate that subject. So because we don't like someone's mannerisms or we don't like the Israel crowd, we're not interested in the Israel subject. Now, some of you are the opposite. You're like, I love all that stuff. I love all the people who teach on that. Regardless, I I want us to all be open right now to what Scripture says because we're living in a, a time period, the 21st century, that when we look back on this time period, what is happening in Israel among the Jewish people will be one of the major stories and maybe is the major story of our lifetime. So could you imagine this, a farmer in New England in the late 1700s saying, yeah, you know, that skirmish between the colonists and the British, I don't really care about that. That's not really relevant to my life. Or or maybe someone in the 1860s saying, yeah, the the war between the North and South, hey, that's no big deal to me. I I, I don't want to get into that. No, because that's the issue of their day. And and I would suggest, and I, I believe that what God is doing in Israel and many of, the, many of the issues surrounding that is the issue of our day. It's, it's what the history books will write about. Therefore, we should be informed and we should have an opinion. It's not wise of us to just disregard it, especially when this opinion is, for, is, is carefully constructed through Scripture and through what God has revealed through Scripture. On a really practical level, I think as a church, it's important that that we have a positive attitude towards the Jewish people, towards Israel, for many reasons. Part of it is is that the Christians historically have persecuted the Jewish people. And we'll get to that as this teaching unfolds today. And so we we have a chance to uh, be part of blessing them. On top of that, the scripture we read together in Psalms 122 says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Those who do that, there'll be prosperity there. One of the things that turned around our church financially, not the only thing, but one of the things that turned around our church financially is when we began to sow seed into ministries that bless Israel. And when we started doing that, our largest mission check of the month goes to the ICEJ, the International Christian Embassy in Jerusalem, 
who shows love towards the Jewish people, who helps resettle Jewish people. I believe that's one, not the only, but one of the reasons that we tapped into some financial breakthrough. Now, here's the reason that happens. It doesn't happen because like, God has this trick, like I'm, I'm withholding this information. And those of you who, who, who discover um, that, that you give to Israel, you're going to get rich. It's not some kind of trick God has. What it is is that God is using the story of the Jewish family and now the nation of Israel to bring his redemption to the world. So when you participate with what God is doing, there's a blessing attached to that. So it's not like a trick. It, it's, it's getting in the flow of what God is doing. So that's why this is very important for us as a congregation. It's very important to you as an individual. Now, I know this is that already when I started bringing up the subject of the Jews or Israel, there, there was some disruption within us. I don't know where it is. I don't know where it is. But I know just, just from knowing human nature that there's something within us that left unchecked or unredeemed, there's a very anti-Semitic spirit that we can operate in that makes us you know, not care for the Jews and, and be antagonistic. Some of you have received this generationally. Uh, you've participated in a lot of jokes against Jews, and, and you've just had this kind of attitude, maybe even picked it up uh, from uh, a religious family because, like I said, Christians have propagated this attitude for a long time, and, and the Lord's going to help us to repent of that today. And, I mean, it's just going to happen. Part of our repentance is we're just going to change our mind as, 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 as the Word of God comes forth. We're going to change our mind how we think about things. Uh, and, and whenever we say repentance, everyone gets nervous, like, do I have to do something? no. Not necessarily. It's just God's going to change your mind about this. So let's jump into it, right? My intro was too long last, um, last service, and here we go again. About 1,100 years before Jesus came to this earth, uh, David, he conquered a Jebusite city, and he made that the capital of his kingdom. The city was called Jerusalem. And I'm going to organize this talk real simple. You can figure out the three blanks quite easily today, because the first one is we're going to organize this with what was. What was. In 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verse 6, it says, But now, God said, I have chosen Jerusalem so that my name will be there, and I have chosen David to be over my people Israel. So we come from a biblical perspective. We begin to see that God chose this city, and he chose this city to establish his purposes. So the story of God is unfolding. You know, we're in the middle of this story. I, I, sometimes it doesn't feel like, you know, living the suburban life, we don't look at the big narrative, do we? We're kind of like, I'm getting to the next paycheck. I'm getting to the next entertainment point. I'm getting to, the, I'm getting to 12 o'clock when the service is dismissed so I can go on with my day, right? We're just, we're just kind of moving along. The next sports season starts. The next entertainment venue starts their, their, their play or their music. The next band rehearsal. We're just moving, moving, moving. And we don't see the big narrative of what's happening. But the Lord said he, he's giving this story. He's unfolding the story to the world. And he chose a particular city because he had already chosen a particular family. See, family is important because God chose one family. He said, Abraham and your wife, Sarah, I'm going to bless the world and tell my story through this family. It's one of the reasons why Satan's attacking families today. He wants to break up marriages. He wants to break up people. He wants to break up families. He wants to attack because God uses family to redeem the world. Jesus expanded the family. Thank God. 
for those of us who are in Gentile in here, which I'm assuming is most of us here. He expanded the family, and because of Jesus, we're all children of Abraham and Sarah. And so he said he chose a family, then he chose a city. When he dedicated the temple in 2 Chronicles chapter 33, verse 7, it says, in this temple and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever. So you see that the work of God is always always coming forth in one of the settings and a very special setting for the work of God is the city of Jerusalem. That's why there's so much, much disruption in Jerusalem because the destiny of the Jewish people and the destiny of the city of Jerusalem is connected directly to God's plan to tell his story to the world. So let's talk about the Jewish people. The Jewish people have been repeatedly persecuted. You could say, you know, starting in the Bible, let's start in the point of Pharaoh who broke his word with Joseph and turned his back upon the Israeli people, or the Jewish people, and the persecution that came in Egypt. And we learn about that in, in Scripture itself. And then we know that as time went on, in more contemporary times, if, if, the Crusades. This is when the Christian church, you know that we, we believe in the tradition of the Christian church. One of the three streams, the historical stream, is important to us. But part of being part of the historic church is calling out the historic sins of the church. And historically, the Christian church has persecuted Jewish people. They didn't have the capacity to understand God's plan. And so through the Crusades, an aspect of the Crusades, the Inquisition in Spain and in Portugal, and yes, as recently as the 1920s and 30s in Nazi Germany, it was the Christian church who didn't speak up for Jews, didn't speak up for minorities, didn't speak up for the marginalized. It was Christians who didn't stand up to what the government was doing that was part of the environment for the Holocaust to come about. Part of what was happening and has happened historically is because the Jewish people are full of potential to deliver God's story to the world. There's been an attack and an assault upon the Jewish people. Now you may ask right now, does God love the Jewish people more than other people? The answer is no. He loves all people the same. Can I tell you that God loves the Palestinians, that there is a significant Palestinian minority that are our brothers and sisters in Christ. God loves the Muslim world. God loves the Lebanese. God loves the Jordanians. God loves the Egyptians. He loves them the same as he loves the Jews. God loves all people. So what is different about the Jews? As God's chosen people, a great metaphor that was given to me that helped me understand the Jewish people. It's like a pregnant woman. Is a pregnant woman any more significant than a non-pregnant person or, or, or another human being? No, all human beings are equal. But a pregnant woman is typically treated with great care because she's more vulnerable and she's carrying the potential for more life. And so because of that, we, we, we have certain restrictions and certain care and there's a certain tenderness towards a pregnant lady. So it is with the Jewish people. God loves all people the same. But there's this understanding that the Jewish people, because of their unique calling from our father Abraham and our mother Sarah and those who, the, the Jewish people who gave us Jesus Christ and the Jewish people who prophecy in the scripture shows will play a significant role in God's plan unfolding for the world is full of this care. And so it is that the whole time these persecutions happen and we can 
We could talk about many, many more. The Jewish people dispersed throughout the world. And so there are Jewish people everywhere in the world. Until recently, there were more Jews in New York City than there were in Israel. That's changed recently. But Jewish people have scattered throughout the world, especially north, especially up in the former Soviet bloc. There were many, many Jewish people there. And for centuries and centuries, it just seemed like this is the way it would be for them. People scattered throughout the globe, held together by not just their ethnicity, but held together by their great faithfulness, their, their faithfulness to, to the Old Testament, their faithfulness to the Jewish law. Every year at Passover, whether you were in Russia or South America or New York City or St. Louis or whether you were in Africa, every year at the Passover, the Jewish people end the Passover by saying, next year in Jerusalem. There's this idea that God's unfolding plan does have a geographical distinction also. And so it is that the land, let's talk about the land for a second, the land that we call Palestine, the, right there in the middle of Middle East, the only democracy we have in the Middle East now as time has unfolded, has had many changes from the Byzantine Empire to the Persians, to the Arabs. I already mentioned the Crusades, the Ottoman Empire, we'll talk about that, which is modern-day Turkey, the British Empire, and the Jordanians, all of these had certain rules, uh, a certain um, rule and reign over Palestine. But that whole time, there was always some sort of Jewish representation. And so it is, I want to share with you a couple of important dates, because I know you guys love being in history class, don't you, huh? All right, I'm hoping that the Lord sent lots of nerds like me to church today. If you're visiting, you know, I, I usually tell jokes and all that kind of stuff, but it's all business today. We're all business. I'm coming off vacation, and I'm just, you know, focused here. Here's some dates that you need to know about. 70 AD, this is an important date. This is really, if you, if you don't know this date, it's hard to understand Scripture. It's hard to understand the New Testament and what Jesus, many of his predictions. 70 AD is when the Jewish people quit having a nation state because the, the Romans came and conquered Jerusalem. And there was a great scattering after 70 A.D. And so the, the Jewish people were dispersed all over the globe. And they no longer had a central government. And what they were held to, they have been held together in their synagogues by Scripture. Held together by this great loyalty to their tradition, great loyalty to the Scripture. For the next 1,800 years after the year 70 A.D., the Jewish were scattered throughout the world bound together only by obedience to Scripture, bound together by their sense of tradition. The year 638 may not be a, a year to remember, but it's a year I want to talk about today. 638 is when the Muslims took over Jerusalem and Palestine. And when I say Muslims specifically, it was the Ottomans, who today we would call Turkey, modern-day Turkey. And basically, there was a rule of what we would call Turkey now, the Ottoman Empire, all the way from 638 until World War I. So that was about what, 1918, I think, World War I ended. If I'm wrong, you can send me, you can Google right now and send me an email later, okay? Um, and so the Muslims captured Jerusalem from the Romans. They made Jerusalem a holy place for Islam. So that's why today both Islam and the Jewish people uh, coexist with religious sites. So now... We move on, and, and we see that after World War I, that there was, there was a, a great persecution of the Jewish people through 
Adolf Hitler. And during this time, during this time um, six million Jews were exterminated. Isn't that just, just mind-boggling? I know you learned about that at school sometimes, but it's still hard to understand how demonic that was. The genocide of the people. Genocide is always wrong. Always, always evil. It's always a force of darkness. And, and we should, as Christians, oppose all genocide. All genocide. We should, uh, the systematic eradication of a race is a manifestation of evil. And so something that started in the 1800s, but it exploded after World War II, was this concept of Zionism. Zionism is the belief, I said was, but it also is the belief, that the reestablishment of an independent Jewish state in the Jewish traditional homeland is necessary for the safety of the Jewish race, and it's necessary uh, for, for really non-biblical reasons to protect these people. Instead of people being dispersed all over the world and being vulnerable to different governments, being vulnerable to different armies, the world said, we need to have a safe place for Jews together. At one time, there was talk about that being in South America. There was talk about that being in Africa. But it just made the most sense, and it was, it was, it was most uh, expedient for the Jews together back in Palestine, even though that did bring many complications that we still live with today. However, this idea of Zionism, and I consider myself a Zionist, I, I believe that it's a positive and it's a good thing for the Jews to have their own homeland, and we have certainly benefited globally with the only democracy in the Middle East. We've certainly benefited through technology, as so much of our technology has come out of Israel as the Jewish people have gathered and they've began to grow in education, grow in technology, grow in farming skills, grow in, in commerce and, and, and how they, uh, they operate their economy. So the whole world, even the Middle East, has been blessed by the Jews gathering in their own state. But there actually is a biblical mandate for this happening. And really, Zionism started not through politicians. It started through um, theologians, and it started through pastors, and it started through movements of people who began to look at Scripture and begin to see that as God was unfolding His plan for the earth and for the world, that there is a very distinct plan for the nation of Israel to function and to exist, not metaphorically, but in actuality. And I want to show you some of these Scriptures today. Isaiah chapter 11, starting with verse 10. These scriptures are just going to encourage you when you look, and, and I want you to think about these scriptures and the fact that as recently as 80 years ago, people read these scriptures differently than we read them now. So, so think about this. If you were reading this scripture in the, in the 1930s or early 1940s, you wouldn't be able to understand it like we do now. And here's what the scripture says. On that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the people's. The nations will seek him. This is talking about Jesus, the Messiah, and his resting place will be glorious. Verse 11. On that day, the Lord will extend his hand a second time to recover. And he, he begins to list different nations, some we recognize today, some that have different names today. He, 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 he extend his hand a second time to recover. When was the first time? It's when God brought the... Jewish people out of Egypt into the promised land. Now, here's the second time. Let's go on to the next, the next slide. The remnant of his people who survived. 
He will lift up a banner for the nations and gather the dispersed of Israel. He will collect the scattered of Judah from the four corners of the earth. And that's a remarkable scripture. Now, it did happen when the Jewish exiles returned from Babylon. So that was, that was part of the regathering. That was part of the second time. But it certainly wasn't as extensive as this scripture prophesies today. In this scripture, we have seen this prophecy come to pass in the last 70 to 100 years. We have actually seen this prophecy come to pass with greater intensity in the last 25 years. We are seeing before our eyes, guys, God do the miraculous in the nation of Israel and by the establishment of the nation of Israel. The, the preservation of the Jewish people is a sign to us. A preservation of the Jewish people is a sign of God's character. It's a sign of God's faithfulness. It's a, it's a sign of the surety of God's word. And so we go to another scripture, Isaiah chapter 16, excuse me, Jeremiah chapter 16, starting with verse 14 and 15. However, take note, the days are coming, the Lord's declaration, when it will no longer be said as the Lord lives who brought the Israelites from the land of Egypt. We know that story. But rather, as the Lord lives who brought the Israelites from the land of the north and from all the other lands where he had banished them. For I will return them to their land that I gave to their ancestors. Well, what is that land of the north? Well, obviously, it's obvious, but if you, if you study scripture, it's talking about the Babylonian captivity. And God did bring the people from the north, what we would call modern-day Iraq. But this, this is only part of the prophecy, because there's no doubt that all of the other lands he had banished them, this prophecy is still coming to pass to this day. You know one of the largest populations of Jewish people outside of, outside of Jerusalem has been, was in the former Soviet bloc, the USSR. And since 1991, when communist, communism fell and that, that federation broke up, there has been thousands upon thousands of Jewish people who lived in Russia, who lived in the Eastern Bloc area, return to Jerusalem, return to Israel. Do you see now the ramifications of that scripture? Verse 15, as the Lord lives who brought the Israelites from the land of the north and from all the other lands where he had banished them? Yes, a small measure of this took place when the Babylonian captivity ended. But a larger measure is taking place before our eyes. It's taking place in the last 70 years of our lifetime. And it's even taking place with greater, greater intensity the last 25 years. And we see this also happening in unusual places right now. We know that here in the last two or three years, a significant portion of French Jews have moved back to Jerusalem. In a very odd, something that we would not have predicted, is there is a, a group of, of Ethiopian Jews who have been following for centuries uh, the, the customs and they have an ethnic claim to their heritage who are returning now to Jerusalem. We're seeing, and to all of Israel, we're seeing amazing things happen. So here's a couple of things I want you to know about. A couple of other dates. 1948 is when Israel became a nation, in case you did not know that. So 1948 is an important date. 1967, Israel took back Jerusalem during the miraculous Six-Day War. 
And so there was something very significant about that, about uh, Jew, the, the Jews were surrounded by the Arab nations, the Arab League, and it, it, was, it was a modern-day miracle that they were not annihilated. Not only were they prevented from annihilation, they actually took back land. They took back land that they had not had for centuries and centuries. So let's go to the second part of this. What is? What's going on right now? The Jews have always been represented in Jerusalem. Since the 1840s, the 1840s there have been, they have been the largest ethnic group in the Jerusalem area. So now Israel has become a permanent place of protection for the Jewish people. And we're seeing that come to pass. So one of the things is talking about, as Christians, why should this matter? Let me, let me talk to you about that for a little bit. It should matter because we're, we're part, we're people of reconciliation. We're, we're people of redemption. We're people who want to see God's plan for the world unfold. And, and you know, early on in my ministry, th- this, is, this is one of those topics that, that I did not want to engage in. I didn't want to engage in because of the story I told you earlier. My contemporaries at the time were not interested in this subject. And the people who were interested in this subject, frankly, I didn't enjoy their company. And I did not want to be associated with them. But as I begin to read the Bible, and I begin to study history, I begin to see that the truth of Scripture and the fact of history unfolding uh, demands our interest in this and demands our prayers. And the Scripture's calling us to be aware. The Scripture's calling us to pray. The, the Scripture's calling us to reject anti-Semitic attitudes, anti-Semitic uh, policies, anti-Semitic um, uh, perspectives that, that would, would cause us to align with the work of the enemy instead of the work of God. And it's, it's very possible really good Christian people are wrong on this subject. The reason I know this is because they were wrong for centuries. For centuries, theologians could not understand um, how in the last days there could be a nation of Israel. That, would, that was an impossibility. So they developed something called replacement theology. Replacement theology is simply the belief that, well, the church has replaced Israel. But that's not what the scripture says. Because Romans 9, 10, and 11, those three chapters, and here's the last point I'll give you, what will be. I know I'm a little bit all over the place now, but I see time is ticking away. What will be, all right? What will, will be? We see that Israel will bring glory to God. If you're taking notes, put that. Read Romans chapter 9, Romans chapter 10, Romans chapter 11, skim it. Find the parts that talks about the Jewish people. Here's what happens with the book of Romans. We read like Romans 1 through 8. Man, it's awesome. Then we skip over to 12 because 12 gets really cool too. And we just kind of miss 9 through 11. Well, 9 through 11 are very important. Chapter 9, chapter 10, chapter 11. And each chapter is talking about God has a plan for the Jewish people, that God's going to have them recognize the Messiah. He's going to recognize Jesus. He's going to recognize his work. And the reason Satan is attacking the Jewish people is because part of God's plan for this world is when the fullness comes in and the Jewish people fully recognize in wider in, in wider percentages, Jesus is the Messiah. It's going to bring a great revival to the world. It's going to bring a great renewal of what Jesus is doing in the world. Later on, you can read Joel 3 too. We won't read it today for the sake of time. But I, I, want, you, I want to bring you to what I believe is one of the most hopeful scriptures in, in, in the Bible. Because when I look at our world right now, I am sick and tired of how 
things are going globally in the world. I don't know about you, but I, I'm tired of war. I'm tired of genocide. I, I'm tired of conflict. I, I, I'm, I, my soul is weary at the potential that we have as human beings to destroy each other. Can I just tell you that that's not the heart of God? The heart of God is not for us to destroy one another. God loves all people. He loves all people. He loves, he loves even... Uh, you know, he loves North Koreans. He loves Iranians. He loves all, all people. He cares for all people. And where is our hope? I know that, that decisions have to be made for other people, and, and we'll pray for different leaders, military leaders, political leaders. We'll pray that God gives them wisdom. We'll have informed opinions about the matters of our day. I'm not trying to skirt that, but I'm trying to say our hope, our hope is in the Lord. And our hope is not something that's just some, some type of... Uh, of made up hope for the future. Our hope is as sure as the scripture we believe. And that's why Isaiah chapter two is one of the most significant scriptures, at least to me. It gives me hope to do what I do. It gives me hope for the planet that I live on. It says this, the vision that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Now stick with me on the scripture because it's just gonna cause a brightness to come in your spirit. In the last days, so we're talking about the future. The mountain of the Lord's house will be established at the top of the mountains and, be, and will be raised above the hills. This is talking about a time when the ways of God are exalted. The ways of God are looked to. The ways of God are looked upon. And all nations will stream to it. All nations will stream to this mountain. And many people will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. And I love this. He, being Jesus, will teach us about his ways so that we may walk in his path. For instruction will go out of Zion and the word of the Lord from where? From Jerusalem. You see, God is about redeeming the world and part of that is the geography of Jerusalem. Now, I love this. I've said that every slide, but it gets better. Verse four, he will settle disputes among the nations and provide arbitration for many people. How many know we need a peacemaker, don't we? And the only true peacemaker is God himself in the form of Jesus Christ. They will turn their swords into plows and their spears into pruning knives. Let's just stay there for a second. Stay on that slide for a second. They will turn their swords into plows and their spears into pruning knives. Think, think about this. Instead of using technology to figure out how to kill people, why don't we use technology and medical breakthroughs and science to, to make the world a better place? This is what happens when the rule of Jesus comes. Instead of figuring out ways how to destroy the earth, we're going to, we're going to take care and cons conserve and steward the earth. Instead of figuring out ways to kill people, we're going to figure out ways to extend life. This is the work of Jesus. Do you see that? This is the work of the Messiah. And see, God is using the establishment and the redemption and the, of his story and plan, choosing to redeem himself through a family, choosing to reveal himself through a specific land. It's part of his story to make the world a better place. When Jesus is in charge, we're going to see a, a world where there's no disease, where there's no more sickness, where there's no more war, there, there's no more violence, there's no more abuse. Guys, this gives us hope for the future. This is why we proclaim the gospel. We don't proclaim the gospel just to get by and just to fly away someday. Listen, that's a fun song to sing, but it's terrible the theology. I'm just going to, well, some sad day until this life is over. 
because my life stinks, it's no good, I'm going to fly away. All right, now I'm not trying, I know, listen, I, I understand that might have been at grandma's funeral and it was at my grandma's funeral too, so I'm not trying to make fun of it too bad. But, um, I, but I'm just saying that it might be a fun song, but it's not good theology. Because we're not living this escapism. Let's just hope we get out of here someday. Let's hope the world gets worse until we fly away. No, we're establishing the rule and reign of Jesus. And Jesus has a plan. He chose one family and he chose one nation. And now he's chosen all people. And he said, I'm going to let my glory manifest when I am lifted up. When I am exalted on that mountain that's higher than any mountain. And all nations are going to stream to the work of the Lord. All right? Here's the last slide, and we're getting close to noon. I feel it. I feel that. I feel the clock ticking, and I'm actually looking at the clock in the back of the, of the building, too. I'm not that good. All right. Nation will not take up the sword against other nations, and they will never again train for war. Listen, you military people, I respect you. I do. I respect you military people. I respect you police officers, and, and, and I, I don't want to. I do. I honor you for what you've done in family. But because of Jesus, we won't need that work someday. And I know that a true soldier and a true officer looks forward to that day too. Because there's going to be peace and there's going to be teaching that all will respect. And we're going to see the manifestation of God to this world. That's where Revelation chapter 12 verse 1 and 2 said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. I mean, we need a new heaven and new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea no longer existed. There was no longer a place of mystery is what that's saying. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. This idea of freshness, this idea of something new, this idea of the old order's past and the new order has come. This all happens because of Jesus, because of what he has done. Why do the Jewish people matter? The Jewish people matter because God loves the world. Why does Israel matter? Israel matters because God is using it to tell his story to the world. Why does it matter to you today? Here's the last thing. God's plan for Israel means God has a plan for me. Yeah, so maybe this whole sermon you've been like, all right, so what, so what, so what? I don't care. You don't know what I'm dealing with today. You don't know what I'm dealing with today, Aaron. You have no idea the hurt in my life. You don't no idea the challenge in my life. This didn't seem relevant to me at all. Let me tell you why it's relevant to you. If God is preserving his people, and preserving his plan. He's going to preserve you. He's going to preserve his word to you. He's going to preserve his promise to you. He knows exactly where you are, what's going on. And though it might be dark now, and though it might be challenging now, you keep holding on. The Jewish people, the state of Israel is a sign of his character. It's a sign of of who he is. It's a sign that God keeps his promises. And it's something that we can receive encouragement to. Would you stand with me? Here's the last scripture I want to share with you. Psalm 105. Verse 8 through 11, this is going to encourage you. He remembers his covenant forever. The promise he ordained for a thousand generations. The covenant he made with Abraham. God, listen, he made a covenant with a family. He made a covenant with a family. He made a covenant with Abraham. He swore to Isaac. He confirmed to Jacob as a decree and to Israel as an everlasting covenant. That's who our God does. It's not a, it's not a temporary covenant. It's everlasting I will give the land of Canaan to you as your inherited portion. This is the character of God. This is who he is. And this is the God, the God who's working for you, that's aware of your needs. Let me pray for you right now. Father, we receive your promises right now. 
We receive your promises. Maybe this was difficult for someone to hear today. But the Lord said, he's all right. The Lord is going to teach you. The Lord's going to teach you. The Lord's going to teach you. Lord, I, I just believe, Lord, maybe you just put this in my spirit just for this service, not for any other service. The Lord's going to raise up five advocates for the Jewish people here. I don't know who they are, but the Lord knows who they are. That could be you. The Lord's calling you. Read more. Research more. Pray more. He's going to cause you to be an advocate. I don't know if it's in the political realm. It may just be in your circle of friends. It may be in a teaching realm, but the Lord's calling five people here. That's going to be an advocate for Israel. Guys, this is not, there's nothing about this. This is, there's nothing about this political. Many of, some of the issues that are associated politically with Israel, I may not even agree with. This is not what this is about. This is about aligning yourself with God's story, aligning yourself with God's plan. And if God has a story for a specific people and a specific family, then he has a story for you. So let me pray for your story. Father, I speak life to my friends. I speak life to those broken areas. I speak life to places where they're confused. Lord, I pray for the confused here today. Father, I pray for clarity in Jesus' name. God, I pray, God, for those who are confused, Lord, that you begin to make the path straight. You begin to open up paths that they could not open themselves. Lord, we pray for open paths, open paths, open paths. This different. It's not an open door. It's, it's a clear path. It's a clear path. The Lord's going to cause a clear path for you that you're going to walk through. Your feet will have to go through them. Your feet will have to walk through them. We thank you for doing that, Lord. We thank you for opening that. God, I speak blessings over these people. God, I pray for people's health. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals us. And we thank you, Lord, for your covenant of health in us, God. Lord, I speak health to those who may be sick in body, those who are needing to make lifestyle changes, Lord, because they're really concerned about their health. Lord, I pray, God, that you would give them, Lord, just like a, a, a new a, a new kind of resolve that's more than just their mind and heart and emotions, it's their spirit, God. Lord, for those who have disconnected, Lord, physical health from the spiritual, Lord, thank you for causing an alignment to come up today. Lord, we thank you for this. We thank you. I just want to pray. I know we're about to dismiss. I want to pray a blessing over you this day. Father, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord. All right, no one's in a hurry now because it's starting to rain. Y'all hear that? Thank you, Lord. There's always been something special. It's been a long time. You know, there's been a few times that the rain has come quite heavily during one of our services. It's been a long time since that's happened. You know, we just let the, the voice of the Lord sometimes is like in the waters. And I know the metal roof helps, but that's all right. The Lord's going to help. This Lord, come on, there's a, there's a calming here. Thank you, Lord. Nature can, the Lord is God of nature. He can come sometimes speak to that. We thank you, Jesus. We just thank you for this, Lord. Lord, I didn't know it was going to rain today. I didn't watch the weather, so I didn't know, Lord. But Lord, we thank you for your timing, Lord. Thank you for your timing in this. Thank you, Lord, for leading us to a place of repentance. Thank you for leading us to a place of repentance. Isn't the Lord good? The Lord is so good to us. He's greatly to be praised. Well, I'm going to open up for, I'm going to dismiss service, but that's going to lead us in some more worship. And if you want to take communion, you can take that on your own. You can take it with someone you love. Um, we'll have this area. We'll, we'll continue to have prayer time together. And I'm going to be down here to pray with you, Pastor Deborah, other prayer partners who may be here. We'll be down here to pray with you. If you need prayer for anything in your life, Anything in your life, we want to pray with you. 
because we love you and we know that God's here to touch your needs and to move in your life. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his countenance towards you and give you peace through Christ Jesus our Lord. I love you. Jesus loves you. Have a great week in him. The table of the Lord is open for those who want to partake, but you're dismissed.